Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show where I had an amazing conversation that I thoroughly, 
thoroughly enjoyed with Dr. David McMillan. And David has been a practicing clinical and community psychologist for more than 40 years. I mean, the guy has extensive knowledge and experience in the field. He is the author of several books, as well as many articles, and is the founder of the Nashville Psychotherapy Institute and co-director of Compost, a program that treats family violence. And today, Dr. McMillan and I talk about a very interesting definition of love that we spend about 15 minutes on in the beginning. And it's comprised of four different things. And within that, there's other things. And as he gives the definition, he talks about ways that we can cultivate it. It's not just about giving the definition of love, but kind of a, a philosophical and rational definition of love and how we can cultivate the different areas of it. And then we talk about what to do when negotiating an impasse. How do we resolve conflict? And he gives a really interesting and thorough breakdown of ways to do that and do that in your relationship, how we could do that in politics. Um, I really enjoyed his perspective and in problem solving in this area. And then finally, we finished the conversation and we were just enjoying the conversation so much. I, I, I loved talking with David that he shared that he's writing a new book or he's written a book and then he's writing a new one. And and he started sharing about it. And I I had actually stopped recording. But then as he started sharing, I, I pressed record again and he, he gave me permission to share this. But it's basically just a continuation of our conversation. But you'll see it kind of has a, a stop and a start. But stick in there. And he just shares so many nuggets in, in that part of the conversation where he talks about the hero's journey and kind of his take on it uh, in relation to how people tend to go through therapy or self-development in this kind of a universal take on it. And I really enjoyed that part of the conversation as well. I'm definitely going to have him back on to, to dive deeper, but stick in there for that end part of the conversation. Just really enjoyed this conversation. I know you guys will too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hi, David. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Good. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you today about a wide range of topics, and you have quite the extensive experience in the world of relationships and just what it means to be a human. I, I read some of your work on community is fascinating, and yeah, I, I would just honored to, ha to have you on the show today. And one of the the topics that you recommended, and I love this because it's it's such a, it can be an abstract thing, but who better to, to help define it than someone with experience like yourself is the definition of love. So if we could start there and then we'll, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about just on that and then we'll take it from there. Well, this, this definition comes out of my exploration of sense of community. I first uh, put it together in 1976. And it's a review of all the group cohesiveness literature. And then I organized those studies into four different um, uh, elements. So the elements are um, 
membership uh, or belonging. That's the first element. Um, and that really is about protecting a spirit, a certain kind of spirit that makes one feel at home, like they're in their place. They belong. The second element is, now I'd like you to think with me, Chase, about this. See if you think that this definition of sense of community also defines love, may or may not. I think it does, but it's uh, certainly something I commend to you to think about. But um, so the first element is this sense of connection or sense of belonging. The second has to do with trust, and it has to do with how one is influenced. Um, so if there is community, you pay taxes, you pay your dues, you follow rules, you conform your behavior because that's what the community needs for you to do. If you're in a relationship, it's the same way. Um, my wife has a trump card, and when she plays her trump card, I hop. I hope I have a trump card. Sometimes I don't think I do, but, but theoretically I do. And um, so she has influence over me as well. Uh, it matters. You can't say um, that I want you to accept me like I am. You can't say that. It just because... Um, people need you to be lots of things, and you need to be willing to adapt and accommodate and conform to what the community needs or what the relationship needs you to be. So that's how you build trust is you let people influence you and you they let you influence them and you uh, respect them and trust them and share that flow of influence goes back and forth. So that's the second element. The third element has to do with trade. Uh, relationships have an economy. Uh, communities have an economy. In social trading, the first most primitive form of trading, which is what you do when you first meet somebody, is you begin to look for what you have in common. That's called consensual trading. And that's the most immature form of trading. I remember when I was 10 years old and I went to visit my aunt and there was a friend my age across the street who was coming to, over for breakfast to meet me. And what we did was we talked about, our. I had a baseball glove with Pee Wee Reese's name on it. And he had one too. And I had a Mickey Mantle uh, uh, baseball card. Um, I liked to play marbles. He did too. We liked all the things that we shared in common is what we explored right away. That's the first thing. And that makes you feel really good. When somebody um, agrees with you and they see the world the way you do, it makes you feel validated and not crazy, and it supports your ego. But it's not very mature trading. The second form of trading is called complementary trading. And it's where I got a line, you got a pole. I got something you don't, you got something I don't, and we trade. Um, that's sex is the purest form of that you can imagine. So um, we exchange our, 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 our talents that the other one doesn't have, and we trade. That's complementary trading, and that builds wealth. 
Consensual trading just feeds the ego. It doesn't build any wealth. Differences build wealth. The appreciation and integration of differences makes everything better and stronger. We have trouble with that because we want people to be like us and we get irritated when they're not. And sometimes that destroys relationships because the relationship is not strong enough to value differences. But it is the differences that create the value, the real value. Then there is uh, another form of trade, which is transformative trade. Um, when you go to school to be a plumber, you don't know anything about plumbing. And when you come out of school, you're a plumber with a certificate. That's a transformative trade. You and the school traded. You went in as one thing and you came out another. They got your money and you got a credential. That's transformative trading. And hopefully in relationships, we do that with each other all the time. We teach each other, learn from each other, respect each other. And that what we have to teach keeps on transforming us as throughout our lives. Then the next form of trade is called generative trade, which is the preparation of people who are coming behind us, who are following us. So um, the next time you get a job promotion and you go to the to the ABC network and you have somebody coming in to take your job, um, you'll have to teach them the ropes so that they can take over after you leave. And um, or you're in a relationship with somebody and you you've got to go on a six month trip and there are things that has to happen around your life together. And and you teach this person how to take over from you. That's called generative trade, passing it on to the next generation. It's important to remember that love is a business. If you don't have anything of value to give to the other person, the relationship won't last. If there's no trading going on, it's empty. Things have to be exchanged. Energy has to be exchanged. Then I, the fourth thing is probably my most favorite, and that is art. A relationship has to have art. Art to me is a story. It comes from a story. So you have to be able to build a story together, a narrative together that makes uh, you both feel proud, that honors each person in the relationship. So when you meet somebody as a couple, people always ask this question, well, how did you meet? How did you get to know? They they want to know the beginning of your narrative. Tell me your narrative. And hopefully you tell a, a beautiful story that honors your partner and shows why it is that you value them as you do. When you tell a mean story, a story about how what jerks they are, and if you've ever been in a, around, uh, I used to go with my mother to her, the beauty parlor sometimes and listen to women talk together about that and I'd be this kid in this corner and uh, there was a lot of male bashing going on their husbands and if you've ever played golf and a foursome with a bunch of men um, the same thing happens there the stories they tell are mean stories and they don't honor the person who who is in their relationship these stories detract from the relationship and take power and take joy from relationships. We we want to collect the 
stories. There are art. And from the stories come symbols. And symbols are my wedding ring is a symbol that tells this part of the story. My house is a symbol of us, our common space. Um, there are institutions or rituals that we have. Uh, when I come home, I hope I find my wife and give her a kiss. Um, I, I, I don't always, but I wish to, I want to, and that's hope. And I hope she does the same with me. We have a ritual. We're trying to upgrade our dinner time together. So we're lighting candles and saying a prayer over dinner. That's a, a, a ritual. That's our ritual. That's what we do. Um, we have our ways of celebrating Christmas. We build traditions together. This part of our art, this part of the, the what it means that David and Marietta are, are with you. They are with you. They have a, an ambience, a story. They have pictures. They have things around them that uh, reflect them and express who they are as, as a couple. And having a story to tell that honors your mate is is essential and is is the, is the product of all this and all of these four elements are they don't necessarily come in order i mean they, they they circle around and each one of them feeds the other one and 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 it's all a big mess but i've laid it out on the line as if it's a linear thing it's not a linear thing it's just it's a recipe that you stir up so what do you think is that a is that love yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful way to frame it and and think about it. And I have a question about. I mean, we could talk about all the four areas in depth. Uh, I want to talk about trade and how we can cultivate that in a relationship. Well, the most important thing is don't get caught up in consensual trading of, of finding people who are just like you. It doesn't give you anything. There's no value to that. It feeds the ego and only that. And it's narcissistic. It's, it's, uh, un, it, and it's really hard to grow up and be an adult and to respect somebody because they're different than you and they think differently than you and they value different things than you. But they have so much more to teach you that way than somebody who's just like you. What do you get from that? So this, this integration of differences is the, key. We start out thinking, oh, I love you so much. Everything about you, I love. You're this way and I'm not. And this and this is wonderful. And then after you're with them for those things that you value that were different than you at the beginning, they really irritate the hell out of you. <laughs> and, and whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. That's when the work comes. Relationship is, is hard work, really hard work. This influence thing, the second thing, also it's really hard work. Um, you have to, you have to let somebody tell you what to do and, and you have to serve them. Now, I don't suggest you ever serve your partner. I don't think that's ever a good thing. I think you should always serve a third thing. In a relationship, there are three things. There's you, there's them, and there's the spirit of the relationship. And it's my recommendation that you serve the spirit of the relationship. Always serve the spirit of the relationship. Beautiful 
to think about. And, and yeah, I just, I love this outline. It's so powerful. And we could do a whole show just going over these different elements of love. But I, I think that is a, a great outline for us to think about. And, and yeah, it's such a egotistical and I think kind of, I don't want to say celebrated, but this idea in culture or this idea that somehow gets instilled in us that we want someone like us or we want someone to agree with us or have the same hobbies. And certainly there's, we, we need to have the same values, certainly nice to share similar hobbies, but it's not completely necessary. Values, I would say, is more necessary. But how beautiful it is that it's through relationship that we can be transformed and we can grow. And that happens more when our partner is different from us. Yeah. Just think about James Carville and what's her name? I forget her name, but I know I know exactly who you're talking about. Wow. What kind of a relationship must that be? They're so different. What? How interesting must that be? And they do that. They have to do that without acrimony to, to disagree and respect. The amount of respect they must give each other in order for them to remain together is amazing. And their egos must be very strong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for those that don't know, James is a, a conservative, you know, thought no, he's, leader. He's liberal. He's, he's liberal. Oh, it's vice versa. He's sorry. He's liberal. Mary, I think I wish I remembered her name. But she is, she's very, she's conservative. Okay. I got it flipped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing when we can open up our horizons and, and not just in romantic relationships, but in friendships and in family and, and think about how these things apply. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I want to go on and, and talk about negotiating impasses in relationships. This is a skill that is, not taught to us and often where a lot of the friction comes. So what do you see throughout your work with individuals and couples and in the research and in how we can negotiate impasses better? Well, this this is a theory uh, that Bob Newbro, my mentor, came up with called the third position. And it is magic. It is alchemy. I've never seen it not work. It is amazing. So in community psychology, there's always this talk about um, the community versus the individual or, or, or freedom versus conformity, as if those two things are in opposition with each other. And they appear to be on the line in opposition with each other. And so if that's all you got, two positions, and they're fighting each other, two values, then somebody's going to lose and somebody's going to win or somebody or everybody's going to compromise, it's just going to not be very satisfying. But in community, you do have this, this, what's the French Revolution? Liberty, equality, fraternity. That's it right there. Got those three? Liberty, equality, fraternity. Okay. So with think about those three things. Uh, fraternity and liberty are really, really opposed to one another. You can't be free and also conform, can you? Now, add to that a third thing and imagine a triangle. The third thing is equality or the issue of status or process. How do we how do we do things? What is fair? That's the third question. Justice is the third question in a community. So when you put the triangle together, all of a sudden 
you have the space inside the triangle for all possible answers. Think about how many more dots there are in a triangle that give potential answers than there are on a line. So if we say to Mr. Fr- Mr. Fraternity, uh, before you start fighting with Mr. Freedom and Liberty, think about justice and include justice in your ideas as you talk to Mr. Liberty. And Mr. Liberty, before you start talking to Mr. Community over here, go up to justice and include that in your value system. And what happens is you get an overlap of their values because both of them have to include the same value. And all of a sudden, things begin to open up and you're not stuck in concrete with two rights, wrongs, right, wrong, win, lose. And then when you find an answer, the answer is not on a line. The answer is something you never thought about before. It's something that rises above the line. It's not on the line. It's above the line. So you get a couple and and um, and they have these two positions. And you say, okay, there's we have some rules about rules of engagement. One rule is uh, uh, your answer is not the answer, right? It's not the only answer. There are lots of answers. And the only right answer is what you agree on. And it's not going to be right for long. So you're going to always have to be renegotiating. So can we agree that your answer is not the answer? Then we go to the next point and we go, who knows the truth? Only God knows the truth. You don't know the truth. So we don't want to fight about history or the truth because everybody's got their own perspective and it's a waste of time. So let's don't go there. Let's don't go back in the past. Let's let go of that. Then the next part, and this is probably the most important part, and your listeners aren't going to remember these two very famous, very historic politicians. One was uh, a conservative, and he, they both were conservatives, and they both were Republicans in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And they like to call themselves the loyal opposition. And they believed, even though they weren't in the majority, that by stopping the deliberation and saying, whoa, 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 I don't think I agree with that. I think I have opposed that. They believed they were contributing to the deliberation and making the thought process better and more thorough. So this is the point. We all need opposition. We all need to be opposed. We all need to somebody to say, now, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm I'm not sure you're taking this in consideration and that in consideration. And that is who your distaff. Remember that word, distaff is a word for mate, your opposite mate. And that's kind of a disagreeable word, meaning the person who you're married to who's going to disagree with you. That's their job. That is their job, to be the loyal opposition, to say, wait a minute, we can't afford that boat. No, I want to go on vacation. You want a new boat? No. And that creates what looks like an impasse. And then you put a third position, which is what would give the children most pleasure? Let's think about joy and quality of life. And then all of a sudden, 
hey, a vacation would be, you know, a good thing. And we don't have to buy the boat right now. We, and but the and, and the other partner would be, I, I think a boat would be great for the children. Um, but um, maybe they're a little young for it right now. Maybe we could do that. And all of a sudden the minds start opening and you begin to be co-creative together and think about other options because you put up a third position that made you have to disengage from your right, your position that you know is true and right and is the only way. And uh, and then suddenly you start having fun. You You want to marry somebody who you can disagree with joyfully. Who will who will take opposition to you and play and solve the puzzle puzzle of what how do we make this decision and that process of coming to a joint decision and negotiation is fun and not not just demoralizing and and uh, defeating and and make you want to just crawl under a hole. Um, because that's what relationships are. They're one series of negotiations after another, after another, after another, after another. And yeah, they're going to disagree with you, of course. They wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't. So we got to make the process of this disagreement and this negotiation as, as, as fun and as enjoyable and as liberating for everybody as possible. So having a third position and valuing, your, oh, you're opposing me. Oh, good. Tell me. Yeah, I'd like to know what's what I want to be wrong. Please, please show me where I'm wrong because I'll learn something there. That's a really good thing. Oh, yeah, I want to be wrong. Well, how am I wrong? Give me, give it to me. That's that spirit will undo an impasse and get you moving forward. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code I do when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. 
After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earnin actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Many couples end up fighting about finances, especially when surprise costs arise. Earnin allows you to seamlessly deal with that unexpected trip to the vet or the last minute gift for loved ones without any stress, letting you and your partner focus on what really matters. Earnin is helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient and to worry and fight less about money. All of this without debt trap, mandatory fees, or credit checks. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download Earnin app, type in relationship advice under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. That's relationship advice under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. What would you tell someone who's listening, who either themselves feels like they really get stuck in their position and they want to do better, but it's really hard, or someone whose partner seems to always dig their heels in and and just doesn't want to move and work towards this third position? How can, how can we encourage a little bit more opening up there? Well, there's always more than two values, right? So you start off the conversation and you validate the your opponent's value. So the vacation idea is a really good thing for the family, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the boat idea, which may not be good for two-year-olds, is one day also a very good idea for the family. So if we put the third position is, what is the right thing for us to do now at this moment in time? It's our third position. And we include that in our loop. We come to an obvious answer. The boat's not a good idea right now, but is a good idea. And thank you for having it. And you're right. That would bring great joy to our family sometime. And a, fa- a vacation, going to the beach with the children and digging in the sand would be a wonderful memory we could have right now. And this, all of a sudden, the solution just falls out of the sky. It just, it just, it just comes into place and everybody agrees. Um, it's when you, so, so you, you gave me two, um, two positions. One was someone who um, was having trouble because they thought they were right. Mm-hmm. Well, that person is always wrong. They got to remember that if they've got the answer, they're wrong. And anytime they say this is the answer and they give it to their their partner, if their partner is going to maintain their integrity and their individuality, their partner has to defeat that answer in order to be a self. So they've just eliminated their option. <laughs> their right answer is gone. It's not going to be in the game. They've just thrown that away. So instead, if they would say, Hey, there, I know there are a bunch of answers, bunch of ideas here. My first thought is this, 
but I'm sure there are other ideas, then they won't get it thrown away. Or if they start by saying, yeah, help me with this problem. Um, we want to define community or, or love. And uh, Dr. McMillan here saying that sense of community and love are the same thing. Is it really? If I approach you with that question, my humility gives you space to have an opinion. And then you're most likely to buy into whatever it is I say. But if I say love and sense of community are the same thing, I said it. I'm Dr. McMillan. That's the way it is. You, you're not, you're, you're probably not going to agree with me. So, um, so always have a question mark. The question mark always includes the other person. The period always ends the sentence. Is there space within this dialogue to agree to disagree and not necessarily get to that? In a sense, we are doing that if we get to a third. But, you know, if someone is going, OK, I, I don't hold the ultimate truth. I'm open to this third position, but it doesn't kind of get there. Is there a point where we just can kind of drop our belief and drop the idea that we're going to get to this third position? Well, think about James Car Carville and Mary, whatever her name is. Don't they have to do that? Is, isn't that the only way they can coexist is to agree to disagree? Mm -hmm. And haven't they figured that how to do that uh, respectfully? And, um, and, you know, politics is about tribes. It's not about ideas. Um, people are MAGA Republicans, not because they like Trump, because most of them don't like Trump. They're MAGA Republicans because their friends are MAGA Republicans, and it's part of their church is MAGA Republicans, and everybody they know is MAGA Republicans. And in order to, to be belong, they have to speak that language and wear that red hat. And um, Democrats, uh, uh, I, I'm a Democrat. They're, uh, my, my 2017 Subaru has the Biden uh, a sticker on the back. So... When people see me, they know I'm a member of that tribe. I mean, come on, I'm driving a Subaru, and I got a Biden sticker on the back of my car. Now, why is that? Well, that's because I'm a psychologist. Um, I Most psychologists are liberal. I'm one. Um, I like to think it's because I, I the ideas of the and policies of the Democratic Party are are why I'm there, but um, but frankly, it's just my ego's consensus trading. I just I do, you know. It just feels good. It just feels good. And if I can get over that, uh, and we can agree to disagree and change the subject, so I play golf lots with with a lot of Republicans, and um, and I enjoy the company. I really, really like them. Um, and sometimes we'll touch on politics, but I don't care. They don't have to believe. You know, they're good people. They're really fine people. And I res have great respect for them. And I disagree with them. And I don't, I I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure that they think I'm a fine person, but, and, and I'm sure that they think I'm stupid in my politics, but, um, but they seem to enjoy playing and riding in a golf cart with me and 
laughing and and having a, a, a male bonding moment. That I, I I really appreciate that with them, and I'm glad they sometimes give me with a point hit me with a point of view that I hadn't considered before. Like one of the the ideas about sense of community and about love is boundaries. You got to have boundaries to make people safe. You can't love and not be safe. So you have that belonging means there's some people who don't belong and some people who do belong. Every relationship has a boundary around it where it says, I am special to you and you are special to me. And we're different in relation to each other than other people. They don't belong in this sacred space. There's a boundary. And that's what the wedding ring symbolizes is a boundary. Well, our country needs a boundary. It's the same thing. It needs a boundary. Well, I'm I'm not so big on the southern border. I don't care. I mean, but you know that that really is a point, isn't it? it, it the, the David Brooks says, "Hey, I think we need boundaries," and I think he's right. I think he's right. I think we need better boundaries. That's 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 not a, a, a liberal idea right now, but it is. It, it makes sense in the same way that love needs boundaries. I could go in so many directions, and I just love the comprehensive framework that that you put things in. And and I know we had a, a few other things to get to, but we won't have the time. So I wanted to end, Doctor McMillan, with a question for you, and it's it's a big one. So don't feel like you have to have a concise answer here. But with all the experience that you have and the the broad areas of expertise for our people listening who are here to get relationship advice and we've laid some beautiful foundations is there one thing that sticks out as far as importance or that's that's one thing that's relatively easy to do that will make a disproportionate impact positively on a relationship that you can share with our listeners that they can think about or that they can implement or that they can frame for themselves? I got a really good idea. This is a Tina Fey idea. This idea comes out of improv theater, and it's a simple idea. Never, ever, ever say yes, but. Never. When you say yes, but, that says to everybody listening, this is a competition and somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And the improv theater community says, don't ever say that because the audience will lose. Will, you'll lose the audience because they don't want to listen to a yes, but conversation. It's so boring. We all know where that's going. Yes. And makes everything open and possible and inclusive. And it engages and pulls people into things. All you have to do is substitute the word yes and or yes but in your conversations and your tenor and ambience of your relationship will be immediately much better. Can you give an example of what that might look like in in a relationship? Yes, but I don't have time. <laughs> or, or, or yes, and our time's running short. I hope you'll ask me on again so I can... Uh, Say more about that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It has a different flavor, doesn't it? Uh -huh. The yes and has a different flavor than the yes but. And all it is is, is just a substitute of the word and for but. I mean, how magic is that? I love it. 
I love it, Dr. Millen. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and and covering pretty broad area of, of conversation. And we'll have to have you back on and, and we can get to some more things. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm writing a book, so have me back on so I can talk about the book. Yes, please. <laughs> and before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and, and if you want to share a little bit about the book you're writing and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, uh, at drdavidmcmillan.com. I have a website, and it's got lots of things on it. Uh, and I'm writing a book. I've, ri- I've written a book that I'm looking for a publisher for, which uh, talks a lot about these ideas we just talked about. And um, and it's looking for certain natural laws that uh, govern relationship. They're I've got 12 what I call alchemical natural laws, but they're all based in science. They're based in Newtonian physics, quantum physics, chemistry, biology, and uh, entropy theory. And all of them apply to relationships. And so I've written that book. And uh, if uh, you're a publisher out there and you want to look at it, let me know. And now I'm writing a second book, which is about these same um, laws, alchemical laws, about family therapy and family systems and how families operate and they they all they too follow laws and if they can if they can use these natural laws instead of becoming dysfunctional they can fix their family by by uh attending to what nature has to give them and uh i i use margaret mead and gregory bateson's life as uh as the as our beginning teacher and then i I have some debates about what happened to family theory. Anyway, that's a more esoteric book, but um, but it was fun to write, and I'm having a great time with it right now. Well, we will have the links to your website in our show notes and on our website, and we'll definitely have you back on. Let's get that book published, and uh, we can Let's have another book published. Yeah. <laughs> we can have another conversation. So, thank you for taking the time. Well, you know about the security st- attachment theory in the security circle. Yes, I'm familiar with uh, attachment theory. I don't know about the security circle. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving relationship advice listeners 10% off when you visit hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. 
I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney show. His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. Well, a child, a child wants pushes away from the parent and goes to explore and then he gets scared and then comes back for comfort. That's the circle. Every child does this. We all do this. We leave home, same thing. Everybody does this. So the first stage after at birth is where can I explore? Where when can I be comforted? And who will protect and nurture me? So that's this attachment to the parent figure, right? That's the first stage of life. Then the second stage of life is, what are my talents? And are they valuable? So that's the beginning of, of defining an individual identity, self. Then the third, third stage is, where can I find a place to apply my talents? This is the, the mastery stage. Where can I, what can I, what, 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 how can I discover that I'm a master at what? Then the fourth stage is where can I find a team that I can join so that my talents can be part of a community? And then the fifth stage is how can I surrender? How can I defeat the ego? How can I get outside myself and let go and stop trying to control everything? And then the sixth thing, stage is irony. How can, and that's the end of therapy. 
when you are with your therapist and you and your therapist are laughing at your stupid self and how silly you, your ego has been and all the kind of stupid things you've done in life and you're just fell on a banana peel and you're laughing at that because it's a, it's what we all do. We all, our egos take us all on these crazy, silly journeys thinking we can control things when we just can't. And, and it's funny and it's fun to remember our journeys in that way. That's the end of therapy. That's when you've graduated. And that's what I'm writing about right now. So what do you think about that? I love it. I'm scribbling notes and, and actually I didn't, stop recording. So I'm glad that uh, we have this and we can even leave it in. I, I think it's great. And yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking about myself and I think a lot about identity and I could share if if you have the time. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, the time. Yeah, like uh, I played sports growing up and I realized that I think that was and I'm, there's lots that I've been unpacking there and, and around identity. And you know, I played at a college level basketball. And then after I was a professional ocean paddling athlete. And so early on, I think I discovered and was told by my attachment figures, my parents, you know, that I'm talented, I'm athletic, I'm good at basketball. And then, yeah, like, then where are they valuable? I, I want to join a team. I want to make the high school team. I want to get a scholarship, you know, and, and where can I apply these? And, and just having a lot of, of my self-worth tied up in that. And that's maybe what has led me to this place where I'm at now. I think I am of how can I surrender? How can I? Hey, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, well, get the book, The Surrender Experiment. You got that? Yeah, you no, know, but I've read Untethered Soul. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is that guy? Yeah. Michael I mean, how Singer. cool is that guy? So that's the last stage. So your ego, which got you your talent and built you a personality, you get all this stuff built and now you got to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, right? And now here we are laughing at ourselves and it is funny. And that's communal joy. That's the last part of the stages. See it? Yeah. And it's fun that we're laughing at ourselves this way and we don't take ourselves so seriously. Getting away from taking ourselves so seriously and laughing at how stupid we are. That is really wonderful place to be. The ego is dead. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we, and we are killing it or trying to every day. I feel like that last stage is is probably the the hardest and ongoing. Think about the first stage. OK, so I'm going to read you the question. Where can I explore? When will I be where will I when will I be comforted and who will protect and nurture me? That first question doesn't end when you're stopped being a child. That first question is still here. All these questions just pack up on top of each other. It's just after we get to a certain level, we go to the second question. And that adds to the first question. But the first question is not over being asked. It's, it's We're still searching for those things. And then we get to the fifth stage, which is how do we let go of all this stuff and not take ourselves so seriously? But at the same time, life still exists. We still have to eat. We still have to have to figure out how how to um, be careful with our egos and other people's egos. Uh, all those things are still right there with the first question. They're still happening and it's all mixed up together. Is it that we're just bringing awareness around it? Yes. The first question of where will we come from? We're not aware of the ego at all. We have no sense of it. We just want. 
We just want. That's all we're aware of. We want no awareness of our ego. It's in the it's in the third or fourth step when you begin to see how the ego is getting in your way. And you begin to go and you develop what's called an observing ego, which is you look at yourself and say, like Tiger Woods says, I didn't bring my A game today with me. Tiger Woods is observing himself on the practice tee, and he's knowing that he's not going to go for the pins today he, because his, 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 his A game's not there. And so he plays a completely different game because he has an observing ego. If he didn't have an observing ego, he couldn't make that decision because he wouldn't be aware of it. Mm-hmm. That observing ego is the beginning of the soul, the development of a soul and a sense of separateness from your body, that you're more than your body, you're more than your ego. You're, there, there's more to life and the more to the spiritual realm. And that observing ego is the beginning of knowing that. I love that. And if you'll indulge me, I, I'm wondering, one of the things that I think is so interesting is, do we have to go through this process? Or, or, you know, like, like this idea you use, right? Like you use Tiger Woods. If you're, if you're the Dalai Lama and you're born to it, baby, <laughs> but hell, even that kid who they pick as the Dalai Lama, they put him through all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. He has to go through some sort of process to get to enlightenment. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. And, and Joseph Campbell's book, Hero of a Thousand Faces, I got it right here. Um, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about all the myths in the journey from one step to the other and one stage to the other, from from uh, from departure, leaving the family, hearing the call, refusing the call, not wanting to take the call, then being forced into taking the call. We, we, you, you certainly did that in your life. As you tell a little bit about your story, I know that you, you did a lot of stupid things like becoming a oarsman for a boat. I mean, who, why did you do that? Well, you did that because you were called to do that. There was no logical reason to do that. That was a dumb decision, actually. But you you went there because you were called there. And you don't regret it. And it wasn't a dumb decision, but it was a dumb decision because you went into a spiritual, you followed a spiritual path, not a logical path. And, and you couldn't help it because that's what the call does. This is Joseph Campbell's right out of his book. Mm-hmm. You, you you did that. You were a spiritual seeker early on. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I could have asked the question better or just it's more of just a prompt, but bringing awareness to this path earlier in life, I feel like can alleviate a lot of maybe unnecessary suffering, right? Oh, absolutely. No question about that. But now think about yourself as a, 14-year-old, say. And what you're talking about is about how life's paradoxes play. And were you were you wise enough at 14 for somebody to say, you know, there's a lot to losing. There's a lot more to losing than there is to winning. What would you have said to somebody who said that to you? Did you have would you have the awareness to know, hey, let me watch and see what it's like to lose? And how much I'll grow from being wrong. No, your 14-year-old self had was too wrapped up in your ego and you wanted to be right and you wanted to win. To hell with everybody else. Tell me you're gonna leave that step out. You're gonna you you're gonna how, when are you gonna be young enough 
how, what age can can your ego stand to be assaulted with being wrong and worshiping wrong rather than right? Where is that? For me, it was 50, 60. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just as a father, you know, I have an eight-year-old. I do think, yeah, it's, it's like it's almost, it's it's the path that we, we have to go down. But I, th- I think teaching uh, a child, and that can be, you know, reparenting ourselves is, is kind of what we're talking about too. But like teaching my daughter that it is okay to lose. She may not embody that. She may not get that, but I feel like she'll have less to unpack in the later stages if that's the dialogue rather than winning is the only answer. You're planting a seed that when she's, when the sun shines on that seed later and she's willing to able to look, that seed will begin to grow. But the most important thing and the most important, see, I did it. And the most important thing you can do is you can be yourself a, a serious, disciplined, spiritual seeker. If you live a life inside a spiritual discipline, your daughter is more likely to do that, and you don't ever have to say a word to her. In fact, saying a word to her won't really help. So my parents were Christians, went to church two or three times a week. I was grew up in the church. Um, the Christian faiths, speaks to me and means a lot to me but i'm 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 seeking beyond that faith and yet i th- still believe i'm in my parents wheelhouse i still believe i'm just like them and i'm i'm doing what they did my version of what they did i'm doing too it's a different version but it's i i like to think that that i'm as in in this search and in this quest with as much integrity and as and as much commitment to that quest um as they were and if you do that your daughter will do her version of that and and um that's what you can give her that's really what you can give her and the main thing here's another thing this in the same talking about parenting i've just been writing this <laughs> i'm sorry no please please okay so Think about the moment of your daughter's conception. Was that a joyful moment? Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you absolutely love and appreciate and respect and adore the woman who you were with at the moment, in that moment? Mm-hmm. And she, you? Yes. Okay. This child is the product of that joy. Now, if you hold on to that joy between you and her, Keep the child in the child's place. Don't let the child come up and split you apart. Keep this unity and joy of loving each other together. There's going to be plenty of of love sprinkling down to that child. But if you're like most of us, your wife was pregnant, weren't getting any, she was tired, your baby came, you didn't understand how hard it was, what are you doing? How stupid can you be? Look, why don't you join me in parenting this child? No, I'm not going to have sex. And you feeling marginal, disconnected, not mattering, and all of a sudden you start floating away. And that happens to every couple. Every couple. Not just you. Every couple goes through that. And then 
if you go back and say, let's find that moment where we conceive this child, let's join that moment again and bring that back to us and then join in that unity and surround that child with the love of each other. And you walk around with your wife at the sink, maybe doing something, and you reach up behind her, your daughter's in the room, and you reach behind her and grab her breasts. And your wife looks up at you and goes, later, that's your nice that you want them. And your daughter looks at that, and it's a little bit inappropriate. And she doesn't know exactly what to think about that. But one thing's for sure. The two of you have something special that she can't give either one of you. There's something that's valuable about the two of y'all. And she can't split you because you have something that she doesn't exactly understand that is really powerful. And she can't jump into the adult role and be your wife and defeat the mother because the, she doesn't want to do that. You know, she doesn't want you grabbing, putting her on. No, no, don't do that. No, she, she'll do that. Do that with her. And then the two of you clearly in your sexual expression of your love for each other in front of the child are putting the child in its place. So the child doesn't, you don't become child-centric in your relationship. Because when you become child-centric in your relationship, the, the child usually loses one of the parents. Yeah. So tonight, go home and have sex with your wife. <laughs> it's the best thing you can do for your child. It's such an interesting way to think about things. And yeah, it's important to to remember and yeah i hope you write that book and and well i know you've written the one so i'm i'm excited to read it and i could yeah just dive into it. i think that whole story that the hero's journey or or your version of what are my talents and and getting to the surrender and the spiritual path really so i want to it's a good reminder to read the surrender i i read i read the, the surrender experiment and i watched him go through these stages like in the first half of the book, he'd go through a different stage. He also he remember how he would all of a sudden go, "Wow, I'm in a different place now." And I would mark those, and I could see they were right along the hero journey. They were very, they paralleled that a lot, and they paralleled a lot of the what I was thinking at the time. It was so cool. It was exciting. Okay, well, uh, have me back, and uh, maybe I'll have finished the book. <laughs> yes, please, Dr. McMillan. Thank you for this extended conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest, as well as any of their recommendations, will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. 
We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners. If you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, we've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com